Blog Talk Radio. Father, I just ask that you minister by your spirit tonight. 
Father, I just by faith release the anointing of the Holy Spirit to this audience tonight through these airlines right here, the lines that they will hear, and also upon me, Father, that it will be truly you ministering tonight. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. For it's the name of Jesus we pray. And they all said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Well, again, I'd like to just welcome everybody. I just praise God that you're here. I have a special message tonight. I know it will bless you. It's blessed me. And I know that something we all need to hear, and we really need to know, because we're going to get into a message here. It's going to be a little different than probably what you've heard before. It's called, This is Your Day of Salvation. This is Your Day of Salvation. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6, 2, and we will read that. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. If you don't have your Bible, just listen to what I read. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, when I read that verse, and as I read that verse all these years, I look at that verse, and it sounds like an urgency right there. I sense urgency in that verse every time I read it. And, you know, it is the most important verse, really, in the Scripture there to begin our lives. What is salvation? It said, today is a day of salvation. Now, most people think salvation is being born again. And that's the truth. It is the beginning of salvation, being born again, because if we aren't born again, if we, we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, we're not saved. So the beginning of salvation is being born again, coming to Jesus. That's the most important thing, because without that, we have nothing. It's all about receiving him as our Lord and Savior. But it goes deeper and further in that, because after we do that, there's other things. Because, you know, the Bible tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, you see. There's a salvation to work out, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, salvation actually means wholeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. You know, we're all three-part beings. We're spirit, we're soul, and our body. Just like the Trinity is a three-part being. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, what God the Father says, uh, he says to Jesus, and what Jesus says, he says to the Holy Spirit. So everything that the Father says is passed down and it's given to the Holy Spirit also, and he gives it to us. So they all are in unity. What one says, the other one already began with. So it all begins with the Father and comes down to us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit gives it to us. So now, we must realize that uh, the most important thing, though, is being born again. Being born again. Now, the Bible tells us, here again, if you turn to Mark 8, 36, 37, I'd like to read two more verses to you. You don't have to turn there. I'll read them to you. Mark 8, 36, 37. For what shall a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what's worth it to keep you, you away from repenting and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, making him Lord of your life? What's worth that's worth uh, having that you could just lay that aside? And let me give you a little example. Supposing you were to live 120 years, okay? 
And say you would have all the money in the world, all the fame, all the fortune. You would have everything this world had to offer. You'd be number uno man or number uno woman, number one, that is, number one man, woman in the whole world. Everybody looked up to you. Everything went your way. Everything was perfect. And we know that's not going to happen in this world to anybody. Okay? Say it did. Well, after 120 years, you leave the earth and you go into eternity into the lake of fire. Now, is it worth going into the lake of fire and spending all eternity there, something that never ends? There's no time limit on it. It just stays forever, forever, and forever. It never stops. You're there 10 million years, and it doesn't even count because it goes on and on and on, never ending. Now, the lake of fire is a place of darkness, a place of heat, of flames, a place of where a person has their life played back to them over and over and over again, how they could have received the Lord, how they didn't have to be there, how they'd never see their loved ones again. Uh, All the horror that you can imagine for all eternity, a place by yourself in darkness, outer darkness, the Bible says, a place of heat, the flames. And to spend your eternity there never-ending, what is worth that? Well, nothing's worth it. Just by hearing that right there, I'm sure everybody will agree that there's nothing worth that, you see. Well, that's really what happens if we don't know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, eighty but I'd say about 80%, when they take surveys, they say about 80% of the United States is Christian. I believe they say 80 or 90%. I've heard that before. Okay. What do they deem being a Christian? They say, we are Christians. They say, all right, you're a Christian. Okay, we'll mark you down, you know, when they take the surveys. All right, what do they deem being a Christian? Well, the person says, yes, there's a God. I believe there's a God. Oh, yes, Jesus was sent to the cross. He died on the cross. And basically, that's the extent of it. They say, I believe in God. Jesus died on the cross, and he shed his blood for us. We celebrate that on Easter, they'll say. And and uh, they'll say things like that. And people are doing a service. They would say, well, yes, you know that. You actually believe that, right? Yeah. Well, then you're a Christian. They'll call themselves Christians. And the people actually think they're Christians also. Many people are living in deception thinking they're Christians. But I'm going to give you a little example that's going to help you understand if you're a Christian or not and really what it is. I use this, I've used this hundreds of times, and it's the best example I know of to give. You're in water drowning, okay, which is symbolic of all of us. We're all in the river of death, you might as well say. So I'll use myself as an example. I was in there in the river drowning, okay, in my sin, going to go to hell if I didn't get saved. Okay, I looked up on the shore, and I saw God. There's like a man standing there, and we're going to say that man was God. He's standing there, and he has an inner tube in his hand. Now, remember, I'm drowning. He has an inner tube in his hand. Okay, he takes that inner tube and he throws it out to the water, out to the sea, which he did. He, he set Jesus out for all of us to see it, to the cross. He paid the price for all of us. So he threw him out there for us. Now, I look at God. Yes, that's God. And Jesus, yes, that's Jesus. The inner tube is Jesus, right? Now, I look at that inner tube. Well, let me ask you a question. If I am drowning in that water, fighting for air, getting ready to go under, and I look at that inner tube, and I look at uh, the man standing through, which will say, be God. Uh, am I going to make it, or am I going to drown? 
you're gonna you're gonna tell me if, uh, if you answer me, you say, well, you're gonna drown. Why am I gonna drown? You never took a hold of that inner tube. Bingo. That's what it is. You never took a hold of Jesus. You never received Him, or first of all, repented and believed that you were a sinner, and asked Him to come into your heart, take over your life, and forgive you of your sins. You never invited Him in. You asked for forgiveness and believed that He died for you. He was buried and resurrected for you. And you see, that's how you take a hold of the inner tube. That would be taking a hold of the inner tube of life right there, you see. And that's what we have to do with Jesus. We have to draw him to us. We have to receive him. We have to get near him and put our arms around him literally and do that, you see, just like with that inner tube to save our lives. We have to take a hold of him, not just saying, well, yeah, I believe he did this. I believe God did this, and I believe this, and I believe that. No, it has to be, become a part of you. In other words, you're making him Lord of your life. And you're taking the Bible, and you're going to obey him from this point forth. Are you going to be perfect in your walk? No. You'll be growing, just like just like a child grows, a child, a baby grows. Then he's a child, then an adolescent, then on teen years, and on into adult life. We're, we grow. We never reach perfection, but we press towards the mark to live as close as we can to God as he gives us his mercy and grace. You see, it's giving ourselves to God. It's taking a hold of Jesus, making him Lord and Savior that saves us. But just by saying we believe this, the word, actually the Bible tells us that the devils believe with fear and trembling because they know. Remember, they saw the demons that time and uh, the devils, and they said, we know who you are. We ask you to, to cast us into the swine. Remember, after the demonic uh, spirits come out of the man, uh, they, they were looking for a place to go, and they knew he was, he was Jesus, and he had the authority, and he gave them permission to go into the swine, and the swine jumped into the sea and drowned it. Well, you see, they believe with fear and trembling. So if we just believe it like they do, is that going to save us? Of course not. We have to make them a part of our lives. We must come to that place of intimacy that we receive him as our Lord and our Savior, and we talk to him just like we would talk to a friend or talk to a family member or somebody like that. We just talk to him. We talk to him. That's what prayer is. In fact, prayer is literally speaking what the Scripture says back to God as we speak. But uh, when you come to Jesus, you're just talking to him and saying, Lord, I want you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. My sins come into my heart. Save me. I know you died for me. And then he says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you call upon him and say, that's Romans 10:13. If you call upon him, you are saved. But it's not just in the words you say. It's what you mean in your heart. It's about you meaning I want to give up this life. I'm going to do a 180-degree turn and come to you, and I want to live for you, Lord. I want to be one of your children, you see. If you mean that in your heart, you're saved. It's not in the words, but it's in your heart because God really doesn't listen to our mouth. He listens to what our heart's saying. Remember the Pharisees in the Bible, he said, your lips speak of me, but your heart is far away. Okay, now, in this day, God has been moving in a, in a mighty way, but God is very angry at this time. And you know what he's angry about? He's angry really at, at the uh, uh, house of God. In other words, the Christian people that are playing games with him are straddling the fence. They have one foot in the world, one foot in God. And the reason he's angry about that is that they're trying to please man and him at the same time, and that can't be done. You cannot please man and God. You have to please God. And if man's not pleased, that's the way it goes, you see. But when you compromise to please man and then you please God, that's wrong, you see. That is wrong. 
Because I'll tell you what, what I mean by that. It's a little bit like a, uh, a man works in a shop. He's a Christian. Well, use me again as an example. Say I'm working in a shop, which I used to years ago, and uh, they're telling dirty jokes or saying doing some things they shouldn't. And I'm there, and I don't really say anything to them or show that I'm not for it, but I just kind of smile or just uh, more or less don't want them to think that I'm against that thing, but I want to get along with them. I don't want them to think I'm an oddball and pick on me or not like me or, uh, you know, be not one of the boys, so to speak. But I want them to like me. I don't want to make waves or anything, so I'm not going to really make any standard. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not really do anything. You see, I'm compromising my faith, you see. If they think that I go along with them and they can't see a difference in me and don't recognize who I am, I'm hiding. I'm putting my light under the bushel basket. We're not to do that, are they? Are we? So, you see, that's how many times a person does what I just said right there. He says, straddling the fence. He has his foot in the world. He has his foot in God, you say. And that's exactly how they do it. If you're afraid to identify yourself, that means going out to a restaurant and praying over your food where everybody sees you or, or standing up in the principles of God, not in the principles of what the world says, no matter who they are. If you're not making a stand in God's word in your life, the way you live your life, you're not doing right. What did Jesus say when the devil tempted him when he was in the mountain, those 40 days fasting before he literally started his ministry? He was tempted three times to the devil. What did he say? As it is written, he rebuked him and spoke as it is written. I'll show you serve the Lord by God, you say. And he said, as it is written, you shall not attempt or tempt the Lord your God, Lord our God. We will not tempt the Lord our God. You see, he made the statements of what the Word says, that we don't tempt God and him alone while worship and none other while worship. He stated what the Word of God said. So, you see, he, he stood on that Word, and that's what you and I are supposed to do. If we are Christians, we're not to be intimidated by the world or try to not make waves or just try to fit in everywhere because people have a tendency to want to fit in wherever they go. Now, I'm not saying you go out there and try to not fit or fit in or be a oddball, so to speak, but I am saying when you go to the occasion arises, you make a stand for Jesus, not the stand that will, will hide who you are in the Lord, just kind of make it a, a mystery or nobody will know who you are. Because when you do that, you don't even feel right. If, you, if you're a Christian and you do something like that, you feel terrible about it because the Holy Spirit really rebuke you from inside. You know inside that, hey, this isn't right. I'm not much of a Christian. But we need to make a stand for Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants us to do. Now, there's another scripture here in 1 Peter 4:17. I'll read to you. The time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be for them that obey not the gospel of God? It begins in us as the church to claim to be Christians. We claim to be Christians, right? Now, judgment falls upon us because we know better by the word of God. We're born again. We have the spirit of God, and we're walking in his power and his love. We know better, so therefore the accountability is greater. The world doesn't know him yet, and it's our duty to bring Jesus to the world. So when the world acts and does what it does, they don't know any better, but you and I know better. So when we do the things we know we shouldn't do, it says in James 4:17, it says, To him that knoweth to do good and, and does it not, to him it is sin. So if I know to do the right thing and I do not do it, 
it's sin in, in God's eyes, you see. And we know it in ourselves. We we are uh, convicted by that. We know we're doing wrong. We know we said wrong or we didn't do this. We didn't do that. We're convicted in our own hearts, you see. So we have to believe that. We have to know that. So we need to do the right thing by what the Word of God says. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. So if we had a legitimate experience, receive Christ as our Lord and our Savior, changes will start to take place in us. We won't have the desires that we had before for a lot of things. We'll have a change. We'll lose interest in a lot of things. We'll pick up new things, lay off the old things, you see. We grow. We separate ourselves from what we are from the old man. See, the flesh of the old man had its ways. But when we're a new creature in Christ, we become a new man in Christ, you see. And therefore, the change takes place, and we grow in that change. Now, as I said a little earlier in the message here, we are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And we need to be one in ourselves, you see. Our spirit is a part of us that we're talking about now. Uh, is who receives from the Lord. We receive from the Lord in our spirit, man, not in our flesh or not in our in our uh, mental part that he speak to us. He speaks to us in our spirit, but not in our soul and not in our body. Okay, if he speaks to us in our spirit, man, I must be in unity with my soul with what he tells me and then walk it out or live it in my body, you see. So I must be one with myself. If my spirit is getting one thing from God and my uh, mind or my soul, rather, uh, if I'm doing something else and thinking something else another way from what I got in my spirit, then my body will walk out something different. I'm not unified, Emma. I'm not. I'm not in unity. I'm not in one. And remember what you said about the uh, the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What the Father says, the Son says. What the Son says, the Holy Spirit says. What the Holy Spirit says to us, we are supposed to say and do. You see, it's passed down the line. We're three parts of Trinity, three parts, but we're supposed to be one with ourselves, like a Trinity is one with, with himself. Okay? So we know that judgment must begin. Judgment must begin in the house of God. So right now, this is the most serious time that there ever was on earth because Jesus is coming soon. And God has impressed upon me how important it is, first of all, uh, to be a Christian. But if you are a Christian and you're not living for the Lord the way you should, it's time that we get what we call rapture ready. And we're going to talk about a little bit uh, tonight as we go forth with this into our, our soul and into our body, because that must coincide with our spirit. You know, a lot of people you've heard say, and, and the Bible says this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But that's not an excuse for us to say. Because the Bible says in Romans 8.13, by the Spirit we mortify the deeds or actions of our flesh. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we mortify or deaden or stop the bad deeds of our body, you see. We have the strength and ability to stop whatever is not appropriate in the eyes of God by the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, not in ourselves, but through God, he gives us that ability, that power, that we can overcome it. 
this is a little example of that. It's just like there's things that I knew before that I, I couldn't help myself from doing. I, I just had to do this. I had to do that. And all of a sudden, when I committed them to God, I found I had the ability to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I, I received an inner strength. And that inner strength was the power of God, you see. It's an inner strength that he puts into us that enables us to accomplish whatever it is. We don't have it in ourselves to do that, you see. It's just like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, long-suffering, all things like this. Uh, these things are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are to live in those. That was the character of Jesus. The character of Jesus Christ was that. But yet, in myself, I can't do any one of those things. But by the Holy Spirit, like it says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit Within me, with his help and his strength in me, he gives me that strength and that boldness that I will accomplish. And I'll accomplish the long-suffering. I'll accomplish the kindness, the love, the joy. I will accomplish. I can do those things with his help and his empowerment because he gives me that inner strength and the ability to do it, you see. And that's like everything of God. You know, many times the biggest mistake is people make, they keep thinking what the Bible is is something they are to do. While it's true, they are to do it, but not in their ability and strength. And that's where they, they kind of break down on it because they say, well, man, I could never accomplish that. I couldn't be like he is. I couldn't be like she is. And that's right. I can't do it either. But through the Holy Spirit, I can do all things. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's his strength I walk and I live by, not my strength, not my ability or anything about me, but it's all through him. Everything is in Jesus Christ and his strength. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that's the truth. I can do nothing without him. It says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by power of might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Okay? So we're talking about our spirit portion, right there, our spirit part. And it says that spirit man, which, uh, when you look at me, you see my flesh. You don't really see the real me because he's inside. The real me is inside my spirit man. And in truth, according to the word of God, says that I'm seated in heavenly places. Yet I'm seated now on a chair, okay? You can't see me now. I'm on the radio. But I'm seated in a chair right now speaking to you all. Now what happens is... Uh, my body is sitting in a chair. My mind's attached inside my body right here, but my spirit man is not here. He's seated in heavenly places. Now, what happens is, being I'm seated in heavenly places, I shouldn't be living out of this body. In other words, it dictates to what my body says. I want you to do this, you do that. I shouldn't be living out of that because the real me is seated in heavenly places with the Lord, you see. I should obey the portion of me that God's speaking through, the one that communicates with him, the one that, that it, it's going to go to heaven, you see, our spirit and soul, not this flesh. This flesh, is this going to, one day it's either going to decay or just be gone, you see. It's gone. It's not going to heaven. It's our spirit and our soul that goes to heaven. So I must live out of my spirit, man, because being that's the portion of me that hears from God, that's where I receive my empowerment. I live what the spirit man, what the God speaks to my spirit man, right? Okay, so we have the spirit man in order. Okay, thing is the soul. Now the soul is the mind, the place of our wills, what our will is, what we do, our thinking process, everything we do with our, our actions and that sense of our mind, okay? Now, it's, you could call it really the seat of our emotions, decision-making process, your will and mind, 
And something very important to remember about that is Jesus at Gethsemane. You know, what happened to him there, he had a choice to go to the cross or not. And he said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in this matter. And, of course, the Father wanted him to go to the cross, and he did. Now, that blood that he dripped down his forehead, that he agonized and bursted his blood vessels, that blood covers my will. In other words, my will wants to do what it wants to do, right? And I don't have the ability of my own strength to do anything about my will. My will can actually overpower my body, right? But because Jesus' blood covers that, he paid the price, that enables me to have the Holy Spirit give me that strength that I can overcome my will and not give in to my will and say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done, whatever the matter is. It might be something God tells me to do, and I just don't want to do it, right? But I know he wants me to do it. I have the ability to say yes in spite of what I feel or do or think because he gives me strength over my will, just like he gave Jesus. Jesus had strength and power over his own will by God's power, you see. And that's the only way you can overcome your will, because our wills can be a very strong thing. But yet you have that ability over your will. You can't be dictated by your will when you have God with you, you see. God empowers you to say no to the wrong thing and yes to the right thing. Say no to evil and yes to good. Or in obedience, say yes, not no to to uh, to God and be in disobedience. See, you have the ability. In other words, you can't be made do anything wrong because you have the power of God in you. And I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ. Not all. I can't do all things. I can do all things through Christ. I do. I, you have to put Christ there. You see. That's what that word says, I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't just say I can do all things. But it has to be through him and in him that I do it, you see. Okay? If I can do all things through Christ, that means I don't look at the things that come my way in my ability or my thought pattern or, or as a man. That means I see it as what he can do, him and in his name, you see, his power. So, therefore, it makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? In other words, God can do all things. God can do anything, you see. So I'm not looking at myself, so I'm not limiting myself. Too many people look at themselves and their ability, and what happens is they turn around and say, oh, I can't do it, which they're right. But they just don't realize, hey, you got a helper there. That's the Holy Spirit. He will empower you to do it. Okay, what are we to do with our soul or our mind? We're calling that the mind. What does the Bible say about that? Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is a very familiar scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Notice it says reasonable service. That means he expects that out of you and me and everybody, not just special people, mighty people, mighty generals, mighty people, mighty men or mighty women of God, but all people from the strongest to the weakest. He expects that as a reasonable service that we, by the mercy of God, present ourselves as a sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, give ourselves to him, right? Now he says, in Romans 12, 2, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means don't act like the world, but be different from the world, be transformed from it. 
evolve yourself from it, not as the world, but as God's man or God's woman, by the renewing your mind. Now, how do you renew your mind? By the Word of God, by the Bible. Read that, quote that, declare that, make that a part of your life, act on that, believe that, receive that for yourself, do that, you see. You make it a part of it. That's what renews your mind, that your thinking will be in a positive realm. When you think of uh, sickness, well, I'm just going to use the word sickness. When, when sickness or disease is mentioned, you'll think healing. But if a person's not renewed, when they think that, they'll think, oh, doctors, oh, I'm going to be hurting. I'm going to die. I'm going to be hurting. But when sickness is mentioned to a Christian, by Jesus' stripes, I've been made whole. I've been healed by his stripes 2,000 years ago. You see, your mind comes back to what the Bible says, not what man says or what you feel or what man has accepted, you see. But it, it's altogether different. In other words, you're not uh, conformed to the world's sayings and standards. You are transformed by renewing your mind in the Word of God, right? And then it says you may prove what's good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You prove that when you act on that because the people see God move on your behalf, and you're proving, hey, God's Word is true. I know this man or this woman believed that, and look what happened to them. They got healed. They got well, whatever the situation was, and then shows the perfect will of God. His perfect will is he loves us, and he wants to help us and bless us in any way he can, as we allow him to. We're showing God. We're showing the power of God, okay? And that's what that is. So we must give ourselves over to God and our minds and have that mind like that. Now, we have two parts now. We were... We were uh, our spirit man's born again. We're born in the spirit, right? We weren't born in the flesh. We weren't born in the in the uh, soul. But we were born again in our spirit man. That's why we have to renew our minds, because the uh, soul wasn't born again. It was our spirit was born again, not our soul. So that's why we had to do something about our minds right here, or our soul, which is renew our minds, because that's what it is, our soul, our minds, our wills, our intellect, you see. So when we have our mind renewed by the Word, like I just said here these past few minutes, we see our spirit and our soul together, don't we? Those two are ready, right? The spirit is received from God and our spirit, and then uh, our mind will cooperate with it because it's the Word of God, and it cooperates. The Word and the Spirit of God are one. You see, everything that the Spirit says, the Word says. Everything that the Word says, the Spirit says. You can't separate the two. They are inseparable. They're just, well, it's like the Trinity. What the Father says, the Son says. What the Son says, the Spirit says, you see. So we have our spirit and we have our soul in order, right? Okay. Now, the next thing is our body, right? we got to get that in order. Okay. Well, first thing, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, quote a couple to you. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear but power, love, and sound mind. The first thing that usually the devil tries to play against everybody is fear. That's why Jesus said uh, so many times, fear not. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power, the power that I was just talking about to these past few minutes, his power in your spirit, your, his power in your soul. He's given you power, right? He's given you not, uh, power, love, and a sound mind, a mind that is not jaded, a mind that's not double-minded, but a mind that is sound and set on God and his word. A mind, first of all, that recognizes fears from the devil, and you won't receive it. 
Faith is from God. Fear is from the devil. You have fear when you listen to the words of the devil. You have faith when you listen to the words of God, okay? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Power. You have access to the power of God because the greater one's in you. Greater is he that's in you and he that is in the world. First John 4, 4, right? Okay? A sound mind. A sound mind. A mind that can think clearly. A mind that can make decisions. A mind that will make the right decision because the Bible tells us actually we have the mind of Christ. And that's when we're obedient to him and in his word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work on our lives. We have the mind of Christ to make the decisions he wants us to, the decisions that please him, you see. Okay? Now, here's another portion. Your body, physical healing. We'll use that as an example here. In other words, our body to be obedient, to, to be in order with our spirit and our soul. Well, we're using uh, that as this is an example. There's many facets to it, but we're just going to use this to help you get a little idea of what I'm talking about here. Uh, it says in Psalms 103.3, he forgives our iniquities and heals our diseases. The fourth verse says, he redeems us from life of destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. He heals us. He forgives us of our iniquities. He redeems us from the things that are trying to destroy us. And he crowns us with his loving kindness and mercy, right? In fact, uh, Psalms 107.20 tells us, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That says it all. He sent his word to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. Remember what salvation means, spirit, soul, and body wholeness. So he sent his word to heal us in all three areas. And then after he sent his word to heal us in all three areas, he delivered us from the things that are trying to destroy and hurt us, you see. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, you name it. Any, any evil force that Satan brings against you and I, he sent his word to deliver us from it. His word is greater than the forces of Satan, you see. When the devil comes in, we use the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Speak his name in the name of Jesus. We have authority over the devil. We can cast demons out. We have authority, Luke 10, 19 and 20. We cast Satan out in the name of Jesus. We use his name and see him, and he's the one that does it, you see. Uh, in his name, uh, he delivers us from the things that are out to hurt us, you see. Many of the afflictions of the righteous is Psalm 30, uh, 4:19, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. We are faced sometimes with challenges that come against us, but we will be delivered if we remain faithful and truthful, declaring the word of God by the word of God. I am free in the name of Jesus. I am healed. I am delivered. I bind the forces of darkness. I command it out of my life in the name of Jesus. I command it out in the name of Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, the greater one is in me. I'm more than a conqueror through him. This is what I'm talking about, folks. We have this in us. That's what the Bible says we are and who we are that's we're all that way that's not just ministers that's whosoever will simply believe it and who will simply act upon it you see that is for all us we have that authority we have that ability now there's another scripture first peter two twenty four. it says who himself bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. You were healed. So something else you and I have to remember about Jesus, and this is what a lot of people uh, mess up with. You know, this was done 2,000 years ago. God had 
God is not going to do anything now. Some people say, Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I need you to do that. No, that's, that's wrong. That's really the wrong way to pray. That's, mis- that's not praying properly. He did it all 2,000 years ago. It's all been done. There's only one thing left for everything. That goes for when we receive Jesus, our Savior, and our Lord. That goes for we need healing and we receive healing. That goes for finances. That goes for any need that we have. When we pray, we are praying a scripture that covers that, you see. If it's healing by Jesus, by, by your stripes, I've been made whole, so I receive that. So all you're doing when you receive from the Lord whatever you're asking him for, you're finding the scripture that covers that, and you're saying, Lord, I receive what you've done here, you see. See the promises of God, all the promises, everything he has for you. Just like it says in Second Peter one verse three and two, Second Peter one verse three and four, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and this life and the life hereafter. He's given it all to us. So see it as a big buffet. It's a big buffet, God's buffet for His children that receive His Son Jesus Christ. You have to have His Son Jesus Christ in your life in order to partake of that buffet. You see. So you have him as Lord and Savior. You go to the buffet right there, and you receive what he's already laid out for you. You don't say, Lord, I, I need you to give me this. He'll say, right over there it is. I need you to give that right there it is. In other words, he's provided all things for us, okay? All things are for us. So all we have to do is receive it. So you you are not actually believing. You say, give me faith to believe. No, you have to have faith to receive because the belief is that, hey, he's given it all 2,000 years ago to me. Now, by faith, I receive it now. I've got it now. Now, faith doesn't look for signs, uh, doesn't look for symptoms or feelings. Faith just accepts it as a truth. Now, many times we see the miraculous happen. I see miracles very often. But then I don't always see miracles. You see, Something you're going to have to realize, and this is where Christians miss it. This is the most important thing when it comes to faith and healing and anything from God. This is the the most important thing that anybody can ever tell you, what I'm going to tell you right now. Say you have a physical need. We'll use that again. I use physical a lot. That's not the only thing. It's for many other things. But I use that because a lot of times it's more simple to understand. Okay, you have a physical need. Say you have a a back problem, a very bad back problem, or a crippled leg or something like that. Okay, you come up for prayer. You ask me to pray for you, okay? Now, I would ask you, I'd say, what's going to happen when we pray? Well, I hope I get healed. I'm looking to get healed. That's not good. That's not really the right answer. You know what the right answer would be? And you have to meet it, not just say it, but not meet it in your heart. When you pray, I'm going to be healed. Now, it's because I'm praying no, that wasn't why you would say that. You know why you would say that? Because you are choosing now as the accepted time, just like it says in Second Corinthians 6, 2 there, now is the time of salvation. That's speaking of coming to Jesus Christ being saved now. That's speaking of Jesus Christ coming to him being healed now, being delivered, needs met, whatever it is. Anything that has to do with salvation with your spirit, soul, and body, Today is your day of salvation. In other words, this is a day to receive it, whether you're sick, whether you're broke, or whatever whatever the situation is in your life, whatever the challenge. And let me read that verse again. It said, for I, 
For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in a day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for you to be healed. Now is the time for you to be saved. Now is the time for you to be delivered from these bad habits, bad situations in your life, whatever they might be. Now is the time, not tomorrow, because salvation covers it all in your spirit, man, in your soul, and in your body. Now is the time, right? So what you would say, I believe I'm going to receive it now because you choose when. You choose. Now, the Holy Spirit, when it comes to getting born again, you must be under conviction by the Holy Spirit. You must be led of the Holy Spirit. He deals with you. You feel conviction. conviction. I need to make a decision for Jesus here. But when it comes to any of these other things right here, you choose the day to be healed. You choose the day that you're going to serve God like never before. You choose the day you're going to be filled with his spirit. You choose those things, you see. And when you choose them, what you do, this is the second part. You make that choice. And, okay, I'm praying for you now. And it's not about me praying for you. No matter who's praying for you. If you have that attitude, really, you can pray yourself. You don't need me to pray for you. But when you have that attitude about, I receive it now, Lord, what happens is you accept it as done, whether you feel it, see it, smell it, symptoms of it, or whatever happens. I've got it now. And you declare it, even though nothing has changed, you feel this is bad in your body. Things look, this is bad, but yet I've got it. I accept it. I thank you for healing me now because I've made this my hour. I've made this my day. I've made this my time. I've called it. I put my feet in the ground and said, this is it. It's for me now. This is the day for my salvation of whatever that need is, okay? Now, when you do that and you stand like that, it has to come. Only qualification of that is, first of all, you must have a pure heart with no unforgiveness, no iniquity and everything. You need to be right in your heart that you have peace with God in yourself. And when you do that, you have peace of God in your heart, and you come to him like that, believing that and declaring that word, you're not going to have to wait long. All you have to do to receive that until it comes, whether if it doesn't come in a miracle, you just have to maintain that attitude and declare it done and don't even consider, oh, I feel bad, I still got it. Oh, God, help me, help me, and pray for it again. No, you don't. You, Lord, I thank you for it. In spite of what you're feeling, I thank you for it. I'm healed. I'm well. I've got it, Lord. I give you all the glory because your word says I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm not the man that's sick trying to get healed. I'm the well man that the devil's trying to make sick, and I'm a well man in Jesus' name. I'm a well woman, whatever it is. You see, I'm I'm healed. I'm well. You must have that attitude because, you see, it's a mindset. This whole thing is a mindset. What's Proverbs 23, 7 say? Is a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You become what you think you are in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? What's in my heart comes out my mouth. Now, aren't our words a created force? Deuteronomy 8.18 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I can speak death over myself and others, or I can speak life. I can speak life over myself. I can speak life over you. I can speak life over anything, or I can speak the negative, you see. So when it comes out of your heart and you speak it out of your mouth, well, what's Romans 4.17 say? God spoke the things that aren't as though they were, right? And they became, didn't it, when we, we read creation. So you see, that is how this, this works here. You see, I'm telling you how this system works of God. This is God's system. This is how he set it up. And you and I have to cooperate with it for it to work for us. You saying, oh, I feel bad. God, do something. Oh, help me, God. Help me, God. That's not praying. 
praying is taking the scripture, putting it back in the face of God, and declaring it to him and say, I receive what you've done for me here, Lord. I'm thanking you for it. I'm thanking you for it. Whatever it is. And keep yourself open for instruction, you know, because there's, there's conditions to things and the promises of God. So read the scripture and make sure you understand your part in it. Pray and look at that and say, Lord, I, I, I claim this, and you show me what you want of me, because always keep your spirit man open in everything that you do. Reason being is sometimes you'll get instruction with it. I want to give you an example. Uh, years ago, I was holding a meeting, right, when I first really became in the ministry. wasn't in it very long, but I used to tithe off the uh, uh, net, right? And I had a meeting scheduled uh, when I was going to speak at the church, had a meeting, and I was in there preparing for the meeting, praying, and my wife and I had tried to sell our home for over a year, and we got nowhere. I mean, nothing. It was just dead as a mackerel. It was dead. We got nowhere with that house to try to sell it. Well, that particular Sunday, God said, I want you to start tithing off the gross, not the net, which that is common sense, because Uncle Sam gets portion of it first. God's more valuable than Uncle Sam if he takes out of the top. God to take out of the tip-top, right? Okay. I agreed, and that, that was on a Sunday, right? Now, I get paid on a Friday. Well, I agreed to do that. I said, Lord, I will start tithing off the gross. Come Wednesday, guess what happened? Sold. Sold. After a year of nothing, bang, sold. And that guy that bought the house got a real bargain, and I got a real bargain. So we both made out like a champ. And that's how we knew, really, it was a God deal because I didn't overdo him and he didn't underdo me, you see. It was just a beautiful deal, just a God deal. It was a God deal, okay? So be open for any instructions because maybe he'll have you give something to somebody or to do something for somebody. I don't know. But I always keep myself open because I never know what God's going to say or want to do. His ways and thoughts aren't my ways and thoughts. They're above them, Isaiah 55, 8, 9. And I've learned after 52 years that, hey, be open for God and just obey him. You see, I don't leave myself of any great wisdom or any great this or that. No, 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 no. You must be open for the Holy Spirit and let him direct your steps. You forget about what you know or what you don't know, and you think about the Holy Ghost and let him minister because this isn't about you anyhow. It's about God. And the only way it's going to get done right is God does it, right? If you do it, it's going to mess up. It's going to be messed up. You know, we would be perfect if we listened and hear the Holy Spirit every time. Because, But because you and I don't hear or don't listen or obey the Holy Spirit 100% of the time, or any man does, that's why we get ourselves into trouble, you see. And that's why Jesus was perfect, because he never missed it, you see. You and I do. We're like Paul, and this is what, what I say, because I, I, I don't hammer on this, because I realize uh, the Word even tells us that. Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, I press towards the mark of the high coin of the mark of Jesus Christ. The high coin, I press towards it. Not as though I have attained it, but I press towards it. In other words, I'm going for the mark of Jesus has set, perfection and what he wants, but I have not attained it yet, but I'm pressing towards it. And that's all we can say. But the thing is, we're pressing towards it. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them there in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's no condemnation now in me as I'm walking in the spirit and after the spirit. Not in my flesh, but after the spirit, in my spirit. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Am I perfect? No. But you see, if you're walking after the spirit and you're in perfection, 
God gives you that E for effort because he knows you're putting forth the effort, forth the effort in knowing that uh, you're doing what he wants you to do. In fact, if you read the 103rd Psalm, there is a verse, uh, I, can't, I don't know exactly which verse it is, around the 8th and ninth verse, I guess it is. I haven't looked at that for a while. But it says there, he considers us, we are but dust of the earth. He pities us. You're, you're just but dust of the earth. He pities us. He doesn't hold us up to some high esteem, but he holds us up to listening to him and obeying him and doing what he wants, especially when he has the Holy Spirit there that enables us to do it, you see. If it was us to do things in our own strength, he wouldn't believe us or help have us for anything because he knows we can't do it. He knows we need him. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can't do nothing. But obey me, listen to me, let me lead you, let me take over your life, and let me show me through your life to others. Let me live through you and show myself through you to other people that they will come to me also. That's what it's about, showing Jesus, you see. Demonstrating Jesus Christ. That's how we demonstrate Jesus. So you and I need to learn, as I said in this lesson, this message tonight, we need to be one in our spirit, born of the spirit, seated in heavenly places. Then the mind, renewed mind, that our mind is quick to come on to what the Word of God says by the Scripture. Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. Okay? All right. Then the next thing, our body. Our body acts it out or walks it out. Amen? And that's what it's all about, folks. That is what it is all about. So I would encourage you to listen to this message again and give it to everybody you can because this message is powerful. This message is the answer to your life, my life, and everybody's life. This is what people need to hear, what they need to do. This is the simplicity of it. It's not a complicated thing. It's not a mysterious thing. It's a simple thing, except we just have to just do it. Obey it and do it. Don't try to make excuses why or why not. And uh, one more thing before I close here. Uh, did you ever hear somebody say, uh, man, I can't do what you did. I couldn't cast the devil out like that, or I couldn't pray that person that'd be healed like you do, or something that'd say that. Well, you know what? They're, they're, they're wrong in what they're saying. Want me to tell you why? They're not looking at God's power. They're looking at their faith. They're judging their faith. They're operating what they can do. They're looking what they can do, their faith. And you're not looking at your faith. You're not looking at you at all. What you need to do when you're praying for somebody to be healed, casting devil out, anything you do, you're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus Christ, okay, and in his name. And when you say in his name and looking at what whatever that is, you're seeing him do it, okay? Peter said that when he healed the lame man. I've used this as an example many times, too, but when he was used to heal the lame man, him and the other apostle. And what happened was they tried to give him and the apostles credit for doing it. They said, whoa, whoa, it wasn't us. It was Jesus and in his name that this man that was crippled from birth was made whole right now. It was Jesus and in his name, not us. We had nothing in it. We just spoke the words, right? And that's the way you have to see it because when you look at yourself, in your faith, you're looking at the strength of your faith, and I promise you, nobody can look at their own faith and go anywhere with it because it's their own ability, you see. And nobody has the ability except in Christ, through Christ, you see. So when you're asked to do something, don't look at your faith. Don't say, my faith, because when you say, I wouldn't have the faith, you're looking at your faith. You don't look at your faith. 
you look at Jesus Christ, that's what your faith is. Your faith is in him, not in you or yourself or anything about you. But you're looking at Jesus. And Jesus said, in my name, you come to the Father in my name, and he will do it for you. Anything you ask in my name, he will do it for you, and anything according to his word. The Bible says in First John 5, 14 and 15, anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we have the petitions that we desired of him. So he hears us. We ask anything according to the word of God with a right heart. He hears us. If we know he heard us. We know we got it. So we thank him for it, even though it hasn't manifested yet. That time of manifestation, we have to stand strong and just assure knowing we got it until it actually manifests. Amen? Okay. Right now I'm going to pray, and uh, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. And I'm going to release faith out there, anointing out there. And if you have a need for something, I want you to practice what I just taught you, how you receive your healing, how you come to Jesus, whatever it is. And I want you to apply that right now. Just apply it. Just receive it. By Jesus' stripes, I've been delivered. I've been made whole. I've been set free. Whatever it is, whether you're addicted to tobacco, drugs, pornography, uh, if you're addicted to anything, tobacco, any bad habits, anything at all, you need set free from anything that's trying to destroy you. He sent his word to heal you and deliver from your destruction. I want to pray a prayer of faith right now over you to be set free. And I want you to receive that, to be set free from whatever is bothering you right now. And just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Because I believe God wants to set some people free. Because I believe there's people who are in bondage here. And you need to act a little bit what I'm teaching right here. Let's put it into practice. and You'll see what God wants to do in your life here. Because he shows himself in those things. And say, we talked about, now let's do it. Okay? Father, in Jesus' name, I bring this audience to you right now. I thank you for this evening, these words, Father, for all of us, Father, because they went for me as well as for anybody else, Father. They go for all of us. And, Father, right now I ask that these words would take a hold of the hearts that are listening to this message now, wherever they are, whoever they are, whatever the need is. And, Father, I ask that they would come to the realization that your word declares that things are out to hurt them, sickness, disease, anything, poverty, lack, that they are free from this. They're free from the spirit of fear. They're free from addictions. They're free from forces of darkness in the name of Jesus. I take authority over demonic activity, satanic activity, witchcraft, Jezebel spirits, all darkness. I command it out of you and out of your household now in the name of Jesus Christ. I command darkness out. And I release the anointing of God into you and into your homes right now. By faith, all addictions must go, all sickness must go, all disease must go, all fear fear must go, yes, and all delays, all delays. If you're delaying for something, if you're procrastinating, <clears throat> those delays have to go. You need to act upon what God is telling you to do. Don't delay. Don't, de- don't delay anything right now. The Bible says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin in James 4.17. So you don't delay anything. Obey the voice of God now as he's speaking to you right now. I want you to obey that voice that God is, is, is speaking to you if he's saying anything to you. And, Father, I ask you to fill your people with the 
mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fill them with that power. You said that they should tear it till they receive power till the Holy Ghost comes upon them. Lord, I ask that you would fill, baptize these people in the Holy Ghost. Baptize with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Father. Baptize them with your Holy Spirit with fire. I release the baptism of fire into you right now. The baptism of fire into you right now. Receive that baptism of fire. The force of, of heaven come upon you, strengthen you in the name of Jesus. That mighty baptism. Yet allow what's in your mouth to come forth, whatever it is. It's a visitation by God for you. A visitation from God to you in every area that you need to visit in, in Jesus' name. This is the night of God's visitation, of God showing up and showing out to you, showing you his power. This is his night to show up and show out in your life. Receive it. Receive him now. Receive him, because these things are automatically done with a pure heart and an open heart, believing it and receiving, just simply receiving what he's done, allowing him, taking it out of his hand is what you're doing. You're taking the things that he has given you already 2,000 years ago out of his hand and putting them into yours. Like I'm, I would hand you a Bible or hand you something, you take it out of my hand and you put it into yours. You're just taking out the healing out of his hand and putting it into you, whatever it is. Deliverance, being set free, you're taking it out of his hand and incorporating it into you, which that power will set you free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, folks. Amen. You just cooperate with him because he, yes, I I just feel a great power, a great strength, great peace, and and a well-pleased God because God is well-pleased in what we're talking about tonight. Because he wants to show himself to you. He wants to show himself to me. He always wants to demonstrate himself. He's God. He wants people to see him as he is, not as many people portray him or misunderstand him. But he wants to be God with you in your life, and he wants to be God through your life. Amen? And you and I need to cooperate with him now. So, Father, help us all from this night forth now. I ask you just to bless these people, move upon their hearts, and help us to all walk a closer life with you and show us things or anything that you're displeased with any one of us, dear Father, and direct our pathways. Because you said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord to acknowledge you in all our ways, and you will direct our paths. And let that be our goal, to acknowledge you in everything that we do, put you in the center of it, put you in the equation of it, that you will direct the path that we are to take that will lead us into a victorious life. And, Father, I just thank you right now that you're with these men, these women, these children, whoever's hearing this message. And, Father, they will make it a part of them and enjoy your very presence in their lives. In Jesus' name. Now, people, just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Go back in rooms that you have. It could be your bedroom or any place in quietness. And just allow the Lord to minister to you because I just, I just, Lord is a minister. I just feel a ministering, precious, sweet spirit, a sweet, precious spirit of the living God, the presence of God. And we just glorify him. We just thank him for that presence. Such a sweet presence. Such a sweet presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to let you all go tonight now. It's uh, uh, 
time. I'm going to leave it go, and I will see you in two weeks. Let's see, yeah, two weeks. I'm on the uh, second and last Tuesday of every month at 7 o'clock, and I want to invite you all back. Uh, We're going to have another wonderful meeting. God will be there. That's the most important thing about it. God will be at these meetings. I don't conduct meetings unless God comes in these meetings because it wouldn't be worth your time or my time. I'd be wasting my time and yours too. But the meetings I conduct, I want to make sure and make sure that God is in these meetings because I know I can't help you. I know he can because I know the one that can help you, and I have faith in the one that can help you. And I believe that in my faith I exercise it, and I give it to you for you to receive what you have need of because my faith is out there for everybody right now listening that I've prayed for and I've said about my faith is joined with yours by faith. Even though I don't know you, I haven't seen you, I don't know who you are, but my faith is, is joined with yours now that God will show up and show out in mighty ways in all your lives. In Jesus' name. Good night, everybody. <laughs>